Hi, I'm Michelle Brooks. Welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition, no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you, the listener, what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter. Hello listeners and welcome to today's episode of Endo Matters. I'm Michelle Brooks and I'll be talking to you today about the questions that my audience have asked me. I'm going to go through each question and give you some solutions to what these ladies have asked me and hopefully if you're suffering too then you might get some kind of relief from what I'm actually putting out there. So the first question I have is from Helena and she's asked how to deal with accepting the diagnosis of endometriosis. Now the first thing I'd like to discuss with this is the fact that diagnosis can take some time. On average at the moment in the UK it's eight years from first presenting yourself at the doctors to getting that diagnosis is eight years. So when we're talking about accepting that diagnosis, this can be something that's quite emotional. I remember going back to my diagnosis and it took me 17 years from first having any kind of symptoms to getting my diagnosis. 17 years of being told that there was nothing wrong with me. 17 years of being told it was all in my head. And 17 years of being told that I had a low pain threshold. So you can imagine when you get the diagnosis, You feel relieved in one aspect because obviously there is something wrong with you and you knew all along and somebody's just told you that there is, but also a little bit emotional in the way that why has nobody believed me before? And it can be a little bit difficult to get your head around that bit. So what I would say is just give yourself time to digest that. Talk to people, talk to your family, talk to maybe those people who have said to you before, well the doctors have told you there's nothing wrong with you and there actually is so it's not about like saying I told you so but it's just letting people know around you that actually I was right all along that there is something wrong the next thing I'd like to take uh, to talk about is that you haven't lost your mind and again with going through all of this and and sitting there for maybe eight years at the very least of of like more or less being convinced that there's nothing wrong with you and you know that there is now so you can kind of like let yourself have a little bit of slack because you weren't going crazy and you can be made to feel like that I know I certainly did at some point in the doctors friends everybody's saying to you well there's nothing wrong with you is there and there actually is so you in your own mindset that can lead to a lot of things you might have had a lot of depression from it you might have had a lot of anxiety from it and now's the time now you've got the diagnosis to just reflect on that a little bit and just be very kind to yourself in coming to terms with that diagnosis another thing that you need to come to terms with is there's actually no cure for this and you know you might be diagnosed with other things in life and then you get given medicines you get given you know some magic pill that actually will make you feel a lot better with endometriosis there is no cure Um, and you need to again come to terms with that very quickly and not not find it debilitating 
but come to a term come to terms with it of how you're going to help yourself from here decide what it is that you're going to do are you going to go down the medical route are you going to go down the holistic route because there are things that are going to help you it's just that there's never going to be that magic wand waved and that you're going to have a cure for it so what I would say is do your own research start looking and educating yourselves in ways in which you're going to be able to help yourself live with this better and that's exactly the work I do in helping women is helping them live with the symptoms better and reducing those symptoms. I never give anybody the cure for it. I just help them to live with the symptoms. And that's exactly what I've done for myself is I live a very nice life now, but I still have endometriosis. I just don't live with the symptoms. So what kind of you can look at is, um, and you can go back to listen to my episode on the three tiers, is working out ways in which you can help yourselves with regards nutrition, with regards exercise, and with stress management. Because all those three areas are what will help in the long term to get you to feeling better about this condition. And again, coming to terms with that diagnosis might feel might might be that you start to put these things in place to help you get to terms with that diagnosis a lot better. Something else you can do to um, accept this a little bit more is to start working with a condition, not against it. And a lot of women that I work with come to me and they're very low in energy. They're wiped out. They might have been suffering from that um, low mood and everything. And what I say to them is stop trying to fight it. Stop trying to Make it as if it doesn't exist. It does exist in your life and you're going to have to work with it now and not against it. And that means like if you've got the low energy, rest. Your body's telling you you need a rest. There's so much difference between like just can't be bothered and being ex- totally exhausted and endometriosis does that to you. So stop trying to fight it. Accept it. Again, with, with accepting a diagnosis, it's coming to terms with it, knowing how you can deal with it in your life and then looking at the ways that you're going to start working with it, not, not against it. And again, I've talked about this in previous episodes about working with your cycle, not against it. Working out where you are in your cycle and using times of the month to prepare yourself. So if you're someone who has endometriosis and you have a worse time at the time of the month, then start working with the cycle. Start like working back in your diary. So know when you're due on your period. Work back seven to 10 days before that and start putting in things that are going to help you, like getting your nutrition back on point if you come off off track with it. Slowing down your exercise and making sure that you're doing something more gentle and not hammering your body and getting yourself enough rest. Looking after your stress levels, if you've got like, um, and we are going to, at the time of this recording, we're starting to come out of lockdown a little bit. So when you get to that point where you can start socialising again, make sure you've got not got too much in your calendar at the time in the run-up to the month because, again, that is tiring. You don't want to be doing that. So, again, just make sure that you're working around that cycle and not against it. And the last point on this that I'm going to say, and it's quite a strange one really, is be grateful for your endometriosis. And that can be so like difficult because, you know, you've like suffered all this time, you have the pain, you have all the other symptoms. But let's just get down to brass tacks. You've got to find a positive out of everything. And for me, I am very grateful that I have endometriosis because I get to help other women. And if I had not had it myself, 
chances are I wouldn't have gone down this route and been able to help other people that are also suffering. So that's my gratitude for it. With you, it could be because you've been worrying about this for so long and you've got this diagnosis of endometriosis, you might have been, you know, thinking all sorts of things that this could have been something more and more sinister than, I mean, it's, it's bad enough. I, I'm not going to say that it's not bad. It is. But there are other more severe things that that diagnosis could have been. So start being grateful for it. And, and changing that mindset around being grateful can make the whole lot of difference. So question two, and this is um, from Becky. She asks, is it something you were born with or can it develop as you get older? The short answer for this would be, we don't know. There's been a lot of research done into this, but the what, what I've read anyway is that it's not conclusive. There are different um, people who've said different things about it, but with what I've read so far, it kind of points towards the fact that if your mother, your grandmother, or someone on your maternal side has had endometriosis, you're more likely to have it. You're not guaranteed to have it, but you're more likely. And that's kind of what I've been reading so far. Um, what I kind of have read and, and have looked into quite intensively as well is that environmental factors and nutritional ways of farming have found that endometriosis has been on the uprise because of these factors. So things like pollutants, things like plastics, um, toxins are all things that women with endometriosis are very, very sensitive to. So for me, I've like gone into quite a bit of research into these things. And I don't know if it's because um, there's a name for it now. There's been more research than um, obviously when I was first diagnosed. But I would say that the way that this has developed further is because of these environmental factors and the nutritional factors of how things have been farmed with pesticides, chemicals, or the rest of it that maybe weren't around a lot a long time ago. And I know that for me, when I was younger, I'd never heard of a woman with endometriosis, but is that because there wasn't a name for it? Or was it because things were farmed a lot differently? And again, that's something that I'm going to look into a lot further with my research, but that's kind of where I'm at with what I'm um, looking into at the moment. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, we have got it and when you've got it there's no point in looking back into why you've got it you just need to deal with the fact that you do and going back to my question one about the accepting your diagnosis I think that's more of a healthy way to look at it instead of trying to think of why you got it but if I think about my own story um my mum was always time of the month sat there with a hot water bottle and to be honest looked really you know really much in pain a lot in pain and I I mean sadly my mum died when I was 15 so I only had a couple of cycles before my mum sadly died but my kind of um, memories of her were in pain and she'd been in hospital I think three times that I can remember and my dad just used to say, oh, it's ladies stuff. And you'll, you know, you'll, you'll understand more about it when you get older. So what was it that she was having done? What was it that she was suffering from? They'd never said endometriosis, but maybe she had that. I don't know. And I'll never know. 
um, unless I could get to her medical records somehow. But again, there probably wasn't a name for it back then because we're going back to like the 70s and 80s. Maybe there wasn't a name for it. But I do think that obviously the example that I'd had from my mum was that a period meant you had a hot water bottle on your stomach and you took a lot of painkillers. So for me, when I started getting my pain from day one, I kind of thought that was normal because that was the example I had and nobody had, any, nobody had ever told me any difference. So I probably didn't go to the doctors early on um, because I thought that was normal. I think like with the women I've worked with, that I'd say that maybe 40% have said that their mothers or grandmothers or someone in the family had endometriosis well endometriosis as well but then the other sort of 60 percent have like no family records of it so kind of looking into this hereditary thing then you know it again it's so inconclusive that the answer to it really is we don't know it just is a possibility but what i would say to any women that have daughters that if your daughter presents any symptoms, any like um, abnormally heavy periods, any pain, any fainting, any dizziness, then I would be taking them to the doctor straight away. As I say, it takes a long time for diagnosis. So the earlier you can start the ball rolling and get it on the medical records that there's some kind of problem with periods, then I think the shorter time of diagnosis it will be. Question three, this is from another Becky. How can you support someone who has it if you don't have it yourself? Now, this is a great question. And I think with endometriosis sufferers, the support we have around us is just the, you know, the most important thing because we do have to go through so much. And if we're not getting the support, then it can be made much more difficult than it, it needs to be. So where I would start with this is um, anybody that's listening and might live with somebody with endometriosis, if that woman is having the mood swings, having the time of the month where their mood and their attitude might be a little bit different, they might be snapping you a little bit, try not to rise to it because if you then rise to it, then it, 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 it makes this snowball effect of like, you shout at me, I shout at you, and it makes it into this big thing where, speaking from experience, I know that I don't actually mean what I'm saying. It's just like this out-of-body experience happens to you, and it just comes out of your mouth, and then five minutes later, I'll start to apologise for it because I feel like it wasn't actually me that did that. So if you're on the receiving end of that, yes, I agree that it probably isn't the best thing ever to be you know, on the receiving end of, but just come back to the condition and remember that it is part of it and that chances are that that lady's going to apologise to you in five minutes. So you getting all et up and reacting to that, responding in a way that's going to create an argument is not going to help matters. So I know my husband is like a saint sometimes. I know I've said some amazing things to him and um, if he'd said it to me, I would have like, you know, responded a lot harsher than what he does to me and and he knows now he'll and again this is a thing let your partner the people that you live with know what time of month you're at because then they can learn to expect your mood to be a little bit different at that time of the month and you know we all get in bad moods at any time of the month so if they know that it's that 
that point in the month, then they can excuse it a little bit more and start to work with you and not against you. So that's that's on that. Um, just be as helpful around the house as possible. You know, women with endometriosis get very fatigued at very little things. So if you can just give a little bit of a helping hand with things, you know, maybe make a meal, do some shopping, anything that's, it might be quite small, but that little bit of a helping hand goes a long way because it might mean that you can sit down a little bit earlier and just take that rest. And again, you know, from my examples, I know that I've been so exhausted. Sometimes I can't even walk down the stairs. That's when I've been at my worst. So having to clean a house or make a meal can take up so much energy again you know you're not going to do this all the time there's got to be some point that you do do these things but again at the run-up to the period time is a is a time where rest needs to be at the number one priority so if if you're living with somebody with endometriosis just offer to help that little bit more in these times and it will go a long way um give lots of hugs um can be very very tearful and need to be comforted a lot um so like don't just like fob it off as oh no she's having another cry again um and kind of ignore it just put your arms around that person and let you know that, that they're there and, and again that goes an awful long way be present with hospital and doctor's appointments again women with endometriosis have to go to a lot of appointments and it can get very tedious and it can be very lonely sat in a doctor's waiting room for the millionth time so having that person with you and supporting you goes a long way. I know my husband's been to so many with me and he's, uh, he's a bit of a joker anyway. So he'll sit and make me laugh and, you know, where the, the two jokers sat in the corner in a, in a waiting room. But it can cheer other people up in the room as well. If, if you know, you're having a little bit of a, a laugh while you, you sat there waiting, you know, it can put people at ease a little bit. So, you know, be, be as supportive as you can with that. Always be kind and compassionate. Don't just pop off the symptoms again. And, you know, it is tedious having this condition. You know, the, the patterns are very similar. You, you have a period, the time of the month, it makes you feel like death. You've got pain, you're tired, you feel a bit low in mood. Um, don't just fob it off. Don't just pop it off as if like, oh, here we go again. Just always use that, that kindness and compassion at, at the time of the month. Make them a hot water bottle, make them feel comfortable. Um, I think that having someone in your life that is a support with this is, is just so important. And I know in the past I've had partners that have not been supportive and it's made my condition a hell of a lot worse than it needed to be. Obviously, they're not my partners anymore for a reason. And... Obviously, my husband now is always really great with me. He will go to the shop and buy me chocolate as a surprise because he knows that that's what I'll, I need. He will make me a hot water bottle at 3 a.m. because I might be in pain. He always asks what he can do. And, you know, sometimes I feel like he he has a lot put on him because of my condition but he never moans about it. He's always really supportive. So if you are that person that's living with somebody with endometriosis, take these points I've outlined on board and just try and be there because it makes the hell of a lot of difference. So question four is from Sam and she asks, what signs to look out for if you have a daughter? Now, this is a brilliant question. 
And as I explained in question one, when you're accepting the um, oh, no, the hereditary question, that it is really important to look out for signs with with your daughter because, as I say, eight years diagnosis time minimum in the UK at the moment. If you spot any signs, then obviously it needs to be dealt with as soon as possible. So what I would say is anything to do with abnormal periods, um, pain during the period. So if um, she's experiencing anything that doesn't go away with a simple ibuprofen or a paracetamol, that it needs a stronger painkiller than that to go away, then obviously that's not normal. Pain during the period, heavy periods, um, anything that's um, taking more than just a simple tampax or a pad, that you might need both, that is classed as a heavy period. Irregular periods. So again, the, the the telltale signs of a young person is that their periods are irregular. For optimal health, women should have a cycle of twenty eight to thirty five days, and if that is more or less when they're first starting out uh, menstruation, then that needs to be looked at as well. Mood swings. So obviously, teenagers are having um, all kinds of hormones going on, and they will have moods anyway. But if it's more abnormal than just a teenage tantrum, if it's more like um, severe, maybe feeling a little bit depressed, um, anxiety, all of these things can be indicators as well. Fatigue, again, you know, we've all come across teenagers that are a little bit, Kevin, I can't be bothered doing that, I'm not doing this. But real fatigue, again, like really looking at her and, and, you know, knowing that she has no energy to do anything, lying on the sofa, maybe just like, um, you know, really feeling that low energy that us sufferers have. Just look out for those kind of signs. Fainting definitely is not normal during a period. Vomiting because of the pain, not normal. So if she's showing any of these signs at all, what I would say is just go to the doctors as soon as possible. And I might have been repeating here from when I was talking about the hereditary thing, but I can't express it enough that you get your daughter into the doctors as soon as possible and talk about abnormal periods, painful periods. It will be on medical records. And if you keep presenting yourself back, then they have to listen at some point. And this is exactly what I did. I did it 17 years I did this for, and eventually someone listened to me. And I'm hoping, hoping with all the work that things like Endometriosis UK are doing at the moment, that this diagnosis time will get shorter and shorter as time goes on. But it does start with going to the doctors in the first place and having it down on some kind of medical record. Want to say it's there's no such thing as it's just a painful period, and don't let any doctor just say that to you. It is not just a painful period. There's a difference between, again, just a bit of pain and taking a painkiller and it going away to really suffering. So if your daughter has got any of these symptoms that I've just outlined, then make sure that you do get her checked out as soon as possible. So question five is actually from our producer, Andy, and he's asked, how do symptoms change, if at all, when you go through the menopause? And this is a very open-ended answer, really. And again, it's it's not 100% um, conclusive, but it would depend, I would say, on where the endometriosis is. So obviously you have women with different varying um 
levels of endometriosis from stage one to stage four. And the endometriosis can be on different parts of uh, the body, the different organs. So generally bowel, urinary tract, that kind of thing, but sometimes on lungs, which is the more severe cases. So when you go through menopause, theoretically, and what I've found with um, the lot of studies that I've looked into is that, yes, menopause should stop this whole um, series of symptoms because you're not having the cycle and the cycle can be very um, connected with endo symptoms. But generally, so generally, yes, when you go through the menopause, the symptoms should reduce and you should start having a lot of um, relief. But then obviously, in some respects, you can then swap the endometriosis symptoms for menopausal symptoms. But the way, I mean, I get a lot of women coming to me to um, to work with me when they're going through menopause as well. And what I do find is a lot of similarity in the way that it needs to be addressed as it is for endometriosis. Because at the end of the day, it's a change in estrogen and progesterone which is, again, what endometriosis is. And a lot of endometriosis sufferers are very dominant in estrogen. And when you go through menopause, it's about estrogen dropping. So the way you treat it is kind of the same. You um, you look at the stress factors, you look at an anti-inflammatory plan and you um, nutritionally, and you look at working with the body because the woman, when going through menopause, starts to suffer a lot from fatigue. So again, it's about working with the symptoms and not against them. But another thing that um, I can say about this is, obviously, because there are different levels of endometriosis and different um, organs that endometriosis is stuck to, then in some cases, then after menopause, when cycles have stopped, if the endometriosis is still stuck to an area, for instance, the lungs, then the symptoms are not really going to go away. So that's that's the severe cases. But I would say generally, from what I've read, when you go through menopause, yes, the symptoms should be reduced. And lots of women that I've worked with or spoken to when they've gone through menopause have said that, yes, their symptoms have reduced when gone through menopause. So girls, you know, we we can look forward to something. It's just how we then go through the menopause. And what I have always kind of um, thought about and always taught is that the better you can look after your hormone health when you're in your 40s, leading up to menopausal age, the better health you're going to be and the better that I would think you will go through menopause. So start looking after that hormone health as early as possible. Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.